If you want to turn in your Bibles or in your phone, we're going to be in Joel. Joel, Joel, however you want to say it. Page 762. That'll throw you for a loop. Joel chapter 2. Let's, uh, let's just open in prayer. It's good to be here tonight. It's good to be among you. God is so good. His presence is so sweet. And he's doing a great work in his people. Amen. Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we lift up our pastor to you. We ask as he's away from us, we ask a special blessing upon him. We ask your grace and comfort upon him, a presence of the Holy Spirit to minister to him. We thank you for the man that stands behind this pulpit and brings the word. We thank you for the shepherd and the gift that you have given us through him. And Lord, we just ask your blessing upon him and our blessing upon tonight, Lord, as we gather together, open our ears to hear, soften our heart to receive, strengthen our feet that we may walk the path that you are calling us to walk. Give us hands to serve the hurting, the lost, the broken, the addicted. Anoint us to do your will and your work, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a young boy playing on, on the streets with my friends, this goes back a while, but there were two times that two things that got a response from me. The first one was in the summertime when the streetlights went on. When the streetlights went on, that was, that was your signal that you had to be on your, on your, on your stoop. And the second thing was when your mother called you if you didn't drop everything you were doing at that very moment and run, you were in trouble. I remember playing and I, there, was only, there was such a boundary I had to go to because I had to be in earshot of my mother's call. I know there were times when my friends said, come on, we gotta go here. I can't go, I can't do that. Why not? I, because I can't hear my mother calling. And that was like, I, I, it wasn't only me. I remember whether we were playing baseball, football, hockey, if all of a sudden you heard someone's, someone's uh, some parent call their, their kid, you turned around, that kid was nowhere in sight. That kid was off and running. There could be a football in the air, you turn around, the quarterback is gone. It's kind of like, that's the way it was back then. Uh, now I don't see kids in the street, so there's no one to call. But there's this, there's this commercial that was in the, in the 70s. How many remember Prince Spaghetti Day? Wednesday was, yeah, today is Prince Spaghetti Day. Austin, you got that? Anthony! Anthony! Anthony Martinetti lives in Boston, That's in the, the Italian North End, the home of the Prince Spaghetti Company. Anthony knows a lot about Prince because it's something that grows you. Most days, Anthony takes his time going home. But today is Wednesday. And in the north end of Boston, Wednesday is Prince Spaghetti Day. Now, as I got older, 
And this was during high school when I would be out. My curfew was at 10 o'clock. And there was, a there was on the TV on Channel 5, it said, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Do they still do that? If you, I wasn't home at that time, at that exact moment, I was late. So what, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to bring across is that we need to be like that with the Lord. We need to be in earshot of his calling. See, there's a call going out to God's people all over the world. Those with sensitive hearts and an open ear to heaven can hear it. The nominal Christian won't hear it. The religious person will not hear it. The call is this. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. The call is going out. And are we in earshot of heaven to hear the call? Return to the Lord. Because God is calling his people. You're in a great place today, and I want to let you know, not because of the message here, but because of the messages going forth. There are not many churches preaching on repentance by our pastor, and there's not many, many pulpits preaching on return to the Lord. I'm going to let you know something that is going to have you aghast. I saw it just aghast. I like that too. Don't ask me to use that in a sentence. There was a man, a, a, a pastor on TV, uh, uh, what I saw it on, on, a, on a video, and he says that the trans movement is a holiness movement. This is some of the things that are going on in the world. There's a surrender of the gospel. But those that are in, that are in tune with the Lord, that are listening, that are watching at his gates, that are calling out to the people of God and are saying, repent or return to the Lord. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. You're in a place of safety. You're hearing from the Lord. Wickedness is abounding at, at tremendous speeds. The enemy is flaunting wickedness at such a, such a profane, perverse way that hearing, that pulpits that are preaching on repentance and returning to the Lord are in tune with what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. Zechariah chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Therefore, say to them, thus saith the Lord of hosts, return to me, declares the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets proclaimed, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me now from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares the Lord. See, there are those that will hear the word of the Lord and not listen. They're comfortable in their sin. They don't want to change. They're comfortable with the status quo. They'll push it off as like everything's all right or you're radical or, you know, things aren't that bad or, you know, um, you're, you're, you're zealous. 
But the Lord is coming back for a people. And the Lord is, is looking to raise up the church to do exploits against the kingdom of darkness and to bring in a harvest. And he cannot do that unless people repent and return to the Lord. I look in my Bible and I, I see when Jesus does so, he's able to heal people immediately. Immediately. We pray for people. And, some, and sometimes we don't see results. Oh, we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. Where's the immediate? I believe God wants to restore to his church, to his people, signs and wonders and immediate healing. But there's a cost to it. He just doesn't throw out his pearls to anyone. There's a cost to the anointing of the Lord. And if we're willing to pay it, we will do exploits for the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. And the church will move in the authority that God is expecting the church to move. See, returning to the Lord is not a superficial call. It's not about reading my Bible more. Although reading your Bible is a good thing, it's not about, oh, I'll read my Bible more. That's a work of the flesh. It's not about trying to pray or praying more. Because what happens is, is immediately things get busy, things happen, and those things fall by the wayside. But a returning to the Lord is a purposeful uh, act of the will to put things aside and to press forward. And for the high calling of God, it's a pressing forward to finding the Lord again in our lives and the letting go of the wickedness that is in our own hearts. Returning to the Lord is not for the superficial and it's not for the religious. It's not about reading your Bible more and it's not about praying more. It's a journey back to holiness. It's finding the passion of our first love. How many people can remember when you first got saved, that passion that you had? It was Jesus, only Jesus, all the time Jesus. It was so much Jesus that the people that knew you before you knew Jesus didn't want to be around you anymore. I remember when I was coming to know the Lord and I was pressing after Jesus, I'd go to the clubs and I'd be sitting in the lobby crying. My friends didn't want to take me anymore with them. I went from being the life of the party to being the depressor of the party. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was starting to get a hold of me. And what was happening? My heart was being drawn more towards Jesus and I was grieving over the sinful life that I was living. Sitting in a den of iniquity caused me to weep. I remember my friend saying, what's the matter with you? I was like, I don't know. Because I didn't know. It was a place I enjoyed, and now I'm standing, I was hooping and hollering, and now I'm weeping. What was going on? The Lord was moving in, his, in my midst. And so, again, I want to say to you, returning to the Lord is not a superficial call. It's not about reading your Bible more. It's not about trying to pray or trying to pray more. It's a journey back to holiness. It's pushing everything aside to regain the passion of what it is to have Jesus as your first love. 
It's one thing to say, return to the Lord. But what does returning to the Lord look like? See, we could say, return to the Lord, return to the Lord. And somebody would say, great. What does it mean and what does it look like? Turn with me, if you will, or if you're already there, Joel or Joel, however you want to say it. That's up to you. You have that freedom. I'll say Joel chapter 2, verse 12. It says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. And here it is. This is what it looks like. And with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. So we're beginning to see what Joel is showing us here is there is a pattern to returning to the Lord. I want to talk to you about three progressive steps we need in returning to the Lord. The first one is fasting. Now, when you hear that, listen, I'm Italian. My blood type is ragu. I think it's ragu positive. We all like to eat. Whatever your culture is, Spanish, Italian, African-American, whatever it is, we like food. Okay? And so when we hear that returning to the Lord requires something that we don't like, and that grades against our flesh, even grades against our pride, there's, some, there's a pattern to what it means and what it looks like to return to the Lord. Fasting is the first thing. There, it says it right here. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Let's look at fasting first. A very precious woman of God respond, responded to me saying that the flesh is unredeemable, which she responded, yes, but it is crucifiable. See, no matter how you look at your flesh, it is unredeemable. It is an enemy of the spirit of God. It is the enemy of you walking with God. It is the enemy of anything you want to do when it comes to pursuing God. Your flesh is the first thing that's going to respond in a negative way. And so fasting is vital because it tames the flesh. Listen to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. That's the other thing we have to understand. Sometimes we, we say, oh, I'm going to fast. And then what happens is, is you get hungry and you stop fasting. And then you start beating yourself up. And the enemy hits you with condemnation and all that things. That, and you feel like a complete failure. We see here. Now, there is a choice sometimes we make where, where the Lord says, when you fast. So there is a... a there is a, a portion of the will when it comes to fasting. But there's also being led by the Spirit when it comes to fasting as well. So it says here, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came to him and he said, if you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become bread. 
But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, there are a lot of words that come at us during a day. Our own words, the words of our spouses, the words of our children, the words of the TV, the words of the radio, political words, all sorts of words come at us at various speeds and at various times all day long. And one of the benefits of fasting is that it's just that, is that it allows you to become in tune with what God wants to say to you. See, it puts down the, the flesh and it brings up the spirit. And so fasting is one of the first things that the scripture tells us well, one of the prerequisites of returning to the Lord. Now, I want to let you know that this, now you can say, well, why do we fast? Is, is, it, is, it, it ju- is it just to not eat a meal and to pray? Um, uh, you know, is, is it, it why, why fasting? Why is fasting so important? Especially if our hearts are set on returning to the Lord. Listen to Isaiah 58, verses 5 through 6. Is it a fast like this which I, which I chose, a day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day for the Lord? Now, I'm not done with that scripture, but I want to say to you, what I want to say to you is here is sometimes we fast and the motive is wrong. See, sometimes we fast, uh, and it can almost be, it's not just the bowing of the head and of the humbling of, of ourselves. This is what the scripture is saying. Fasting is, is not only a bowing of the head. Fasting is not just a humbling of yourself. This is what fasting really means and what, real, what its benefits are. Listen to this. Is not the fast which I chose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. See, there's a reason for fasting. And and, and and it's not about prayer. And it's not, and and it it has, and what the Lord is saying is it's it's not about bowing your head or, 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 or even an act of humility. There's more to fasting than that. He's saying, Fasting has its benefits in these things. First of all, it deals with wickedness. Personal wickedness. The wickedness that I am drawn to. Personal wickedness. The areas of my heart that are not submitted to the Lord, that still the enemy has sway and room in my life to run into my heart or to draw me away from the things of God and to draw me to things that are not pleasing, that are sinful and, and, and downright wicked. So what the, what the benefit of fasting is, is to deal with wickedness on a personal level and also on a societal level. The wickedness that is prevalent in our society today. See, if we're not fasting over what's going on in our children's lives in the schools, wickedness prevails. If we're not fasting over the perverseness of transgenderism, 
transgenderism will prevail and overtake us. So one of the benefits and one of the reasons for fasting is to deal with wickedness on a personal level and on a societal level. It is also to loosen the ties that bind us. If we are not yoked to the Lord, we are yoked to the world. See, if we're not, if we're not following closely to the Lord and if we're not in step with the Lord, what happens is we get drawn away and we find ourselves being drawn back to the things of the world. We may take a temporary break from something in, in, in th that deals with the world, but we only find ourselves going back to it. And fasting, fasting loosens the ties that the world has us in. So if we're not yoked to the Lord, we're yoked to the things of the world. And it says, Jesus said, if you, if you love the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And so fasting causes us to take, in, to take inventory of our lives and see where we are tied to in the world. If we listen to political talk more than we listen to spiritual talk, we're nothing but a political Christian. If, more, if we're more interested in what's on the social media than what's in Scripture, and what the Spirit is saying, then we're a social Christian. You know, we've gotten kind of lazy in, our, in, in, our, in the United States. They even have pants now that are called lounge pants. That when you put them on, it automatically sets, sets the tone for your mood. I'm lounging. I got the lounge pants on. Don't bother me. I'm lounging now. You literally take off your clothes and put on something that tells you, be lazy. They're called lounge pants. They're not called work pants. They have a purpose. They're meant for you to put them on and lounge around. And so what we see here is it's to loosen the ties that bind us to the world and to the world system. What's another reason for fasting? Oppression. If we see here in Isaiah, where he says here, and to let the oppressed go free. What is oppression? It's to feel distressed, anxious, or lacking peace. How many Christians in, our li in, in, in their lives suffer from anxiety, suffer from depression, have lost peace. Some of us are oppressed by the enemy and because we're not in tuned with the spirit, we don't even know we're oppressed. I want to ask you a question. How's your joy meter? Do you really have the joy of the Lord? Or are you just going about the status quo, living day to day and whatever comes your way, comes your way and either you deal with it positively or deal with it negatively? Instead of walking in the authority that God has given you. There are many people that are oppressed. Christians oppressed by the world and oppressed by the enemy. 
And so I say to you, how's your joy meter? How's your joy? Do you know something that the joy of the Lord is very attractive? And if we walk around grumpy or sad or with a, with a, with a, a mushed up face, you can tell people about Jesus all day long. It'll have no effect on them. Because your countenance is a witness in and of itself. And so the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. People are drawn to people that have joy. They'll say to you, what is it that you have? You always seem happy. You always seem like nothing's bothering you. You can have joy and still have a myriad of troubles in your life because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so fasting fights off oppression. We are under oppression by two forces, the devil and his minions, and the world and its ability to distract us and to rob us. So many of us are walking around oppressed by the enemy and by the world, and we don't even know it. Or we sometimes get to church and we're like, whoa, on a Sunday or a Wednesday, all beat up. What's that? That's oppression. That's oppression. And so fasting breaks the bonds of oppression. What's another thing that fasting does? It's to break free from bondage. If there's an issue in your life that even your desire to serve the Lord, to draw closer to the Lord, but only to find yourself falling in a particular area, there's a bondage in your life that needs to be broken, and fasting is the mechanism that breaks the bondage over your life. And so fasting is valuable. It's not just the turning over of a plate and, 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 and doing something religiously. Fasting has a spiritual component to it. It deals with wickedness. What wickedness? My wickedness. Your wickedness. One of the things when, when, we, wanted, when we desire to get closer to the Lord, the first thing that happens is when the, when the presence of the Lord comes, all of that wickedness in our heart, all of that sin comes to the surface. And what happens is, is we draw away. And, and or we get under condemnation, or we, get, we feel guilt, or we, or we begin to speak negatively, negatively over our own lives. And the Bible tells us that the Lord is compassionate, full of mercy, abounding in love, long-suffering. See, what happens is when those things, when the feeling in our flesh, and I'm saying, happens that we when we get close to the Lord and we start to feel the what the wickedness of our flesh and of our lives what happens is you're not to draw away from the Lord you're to draw closer to the Lord because he has mercy he has forgiveness he has kindness he has compassion the Bible tells us that when our hearts condemn us God is greater than our hearts and so we have to not walk by by feeling we have to walk by faith. Yes, Lord, this is in me, but only you can draw it out of me, Lord. I confess my sins before you, but your word says, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. See, we got to battle in, we gotta battle in the spirit. You have to use the word of your testimony. The word of God says that. 
He's abounding in love. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's kind. He's forgiving. He's long-suffering. If we confess our sin, he's faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Don't draw away from the Lord. Draw to him. That's what it means to return to the Lord. Returning to the Lord doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It's going to be a grind. It's going to... It's going to grate against your flesh. It's going to grate against your prime, uh, prime, pride. It's not going to feel fun. It's going to feel very uncomfortable. But you've got to know the word and who Jesus really is in your life, that he's willing to forgive. The woman caught in adultery, what did he say to her? Where are your accusers? There are none, Lord, then I don't condemn you either. Go and leave your life of sin. If he didn't condemn a woman caught in adultery, why would he condemn you? And so we have to understand that returning to the Lord may sound nice, but in reality, it's a grind. And so the benefit of of fasting is to break free from bondage. What's the next thing that returning to the Lord looks like? Weeping. It is evident that our stubborn, rebellious, wicked, deceitful, uh, anybody encouraged right now? It's not a pretty message, but it's a message we have to hear. Because if we're going to return to, if we're going to repent and we're going to return to the Lord, there's some reality of what it lo- really looks like. And so it is evident that our stubborn, rebellious, wicked, deceitful heart has been exposed. Weep- weeping is not crying. <laughs> That's not weeping. Weeping comes deep from within you. Weeping is an, is, an, is an emotions welling up inside of you that overtake you and is uncontrollable. Weeping comes from deep inside your spirit. There's, you know, I remember when I first, when I first was coming to the Lord and I was um, going, going to this church in Brooklyn and kind of, you know, checking out and then I was copying what people were doing. You know, they would, after service, some people would actually come to the altar and they would continue worshiping the Lord. So remember, I was kind of hungry for, for a change. And even I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, they were, I wanted to, the real Christians were the ones that were up at the front. So I wanted, so I kind of got up by them and I would watch what they do and I would copy what they do and they would raise their hands and they would worship the Lord. So I'd raise my hands and I would worship the Lord. And then one day, I get up to the altar, and nobody's there. And so I'm like, I get down on my knees, and the presence of the Lord becomes so strong over me, I begin to weep uncontrollably. And this weeping got kind of messy. You know when you, know when you, when you are really emotional and you get crying? You, you get s- snotty. You know what I'm saying? You become an absolute mess in front of the Lord. That's weeping. 
That's something, that's a guttural response from inside, deep with inside your spirit is weeping. Weeping is, 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 a, is, a, is almost a, a remorse over the, holiness, over the holiness of God and the sinful condition I find myself in that it causes a response, not from the flesh, which is crying, but from the spirit, which is weeping. So there's a difference. And so, so weeping is a sign of deep sorrow and remorse. Listen to this from Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume and was standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her hair and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now the Pharisee who had invited him saw this and he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of, what sort of person this woman is and who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it. Say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who, whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning to the woman, he said, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who, who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The benefit of weeping is that there's a, there's, there's a love exchange between you and the Lord. See, weeping is a sign of humility. Weeping is a sign that you're, you're truly heartfelt, sorry for have, offending the, have offended the Lord. Do you see what was going on in that house? There was a hard-hearted person and there was a tender-hearted person. The hard-hearted person was the religious person. The tender-hearted person was the woman from the city who knew she was a sinner and was remorseful over it and wept at the feet of Jesus. And then there was beautiful worship going on. Can you imagine this woman at Jesus' feet weeping and wiping, washing his feet with her tears, wiping them off with her hair, and then kissing his feet? There was a deep communion going on between the Lord and this woman, and the hard-hearted people in that room missed it. And this woman went away free, while those that reclined at the table still stood in their sin. Weeping has a benefit. 
because it's a, it's a, it's a deep sense of remorse and it, br it brings out a relationship between you and the Lord that, is, that has long been missing in my life. What's the, what's the next benefit of returning to the Lord? Is mourning. It's a time of grief or, gro or grieving over something that was lost. So we've wasted a lot of time pursuing other things and not pursuing the Lord. We've wasted a lot of time in distractions. We've wasted a lot of time pursuing our own things. We wasted a lot of time on empty things that, you know, sometimes, you know, many times when it comes to the end of our life, we're going to grieve over the fact that we wasted time with, uh, of not being with the Lord. You know, it's not going to be like, gee, I, I wish I had worked more or I wish I went golfing more. I wish I went fishing more. I wish I watched the Yankee game more. I wish I got involved with politics more. No, you know what it's going to be? I really wish I would have spent more time with the Lord. And so there's a mourning that happens when we, when we return to the Lord. It's a time of grief over, over something that was lost, grieving our sins, the offense that it caused against the Lord. Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 51, verse 4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. But I want to let you know something about mourning. It's actually the beginning of breaking free. And how can you say that, Pastor Mike? Well, let's look. We, there's, there's fasting, okay? And the, and the reasons for fasting, we, we went over. Then there's, then there's, there's a weeping as, as, as the Lord draws closer to us and, and we push into the Lord something in our spirit breaks and we begin to weep. But then there's a, there's a, there's a time of mourning. And I want to ask you this question. Do you mourn things that are dead or do you mourn things that are alive? Right? Well, here's the thing about mourning. The thing that used to be alive in, in your spirit that caused you to stumble, that caused you to fall, and that was alive in your heart, that was alive in your flesh, when we press in and return to the Lord and God deals with those things and they die, you'll actually mourn it. You'll, there'll actually be a season of mourning over, over the sin that you, that you had lived in, the sin that it caused you to be separated from the Lord. You begin to mourn over those things. Why? Because it's dead now. And we mourn over dead things. We don't mourn over live things. And so what happens is we begin to see that the thing that was in our life that was alive now is dead and we'll mourn the thing that has died. In closing, the next part of Joel chapter two says this, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate. Don't forget those things. When you return to the Lord, remember that he is gracious and compassionate. It's not what's in you, it's what's in him. It's not the thing that, that's in your heart, it's what's in his heart. 
And so I want you to remember that. Remember that he is gracious and compassionate. The Lord condemns you, and we do a good job of condemning ourselves and beating ourselves up. That sometimes the devil's in, in Hoboken having a hot dog and a, and, a, and a devil dog just let you do your own thing. You don't even need him. And so you, we have to understand it. It's, it's a walk of faith. You have to be able to confess with your mouth that he is gracious and he's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's kind. His, he, his, his love is, he has loving kindness. He's faithful. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he even understands what's going on in your life. The thing that impresses him more is that you're searching after him. That's the thing that he's after, that you're actually searching after him. The things that are causing you to draw away is the thing that he's pulling you back towards and say, don't leave, don't leave. We can deal with this. I died for that sin. I rose again from the dead. I'm victorious, and you can be victorious too. I stand at the, at the right hand of the Father. I advocate for you. I, the accuser of the brethren, I just show the blood, and he has nothing to say against you. And so it, it, you have to be able to push through the negative feelings of your flesh, the negative feelings of your mind, and even sometimes the condemnation of your heart and the condemnation of the devil. And so it says here, return to the Lord. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. I want to read that again. See, returning to the Lord, there are things that are going to come up in your heart and your spirit and your flesh. You have to fight through it, and you have to know who you're, who you're pressing into. It says, for he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger abounding in love, actually abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. So what, what, what has happened here is when you begin to, to return to the Lord and all of these things come up in your life, Remember who he is and not who you are. See, I'm a sinner. And there are plenty of offensive things in my heart that are before the Lord. But if I'm going to pursue God, I'm going to have to know that these things are going to come up in my life. And either I can, I, can, I, can, I can go with fear and doubt and unbelief, or act, I can act in faith and go by the characteristics of who Jesus is, not who I am. And as we push through those things and we begin to pursue the Lord, there's going to be a deeper, deeper, deeper relationship with you that the things of the world will grow strangely dim. The things that you used to find pleasure in, you'll find pleasure in them no more. The things that used to distract you won't distract you anymore because your eyes will be on Jesus. The things that you used to listen to that took up your time, you're not going to want to hear those things anymore. Maybe the music that you listen to will become so repulsive, you'll be like, yeah, you know what? No. So returning to the Lord is not for the faint of heart. It's for the faith of heart. It's for those that will say, I'm willing to push through to find Jesus once again in my life, for him to light the fire in my heart that is so needed in my life, to return with passion to my first love and, and to, to 
find the strength and the authority and to be able to do exploits for the, th for the things of the Lord. To be able to be used by God that we can lay our hands on the sick and immediately they'll be healed. To be able to cast out demons. To take the hits from the world. To stand up for righteousness. To intercede for our children. And to even leave a legacy for them as well. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. It's not my word, it's your word. Thank you for giving it to me. Thank you for allowing me to minister it to your people. I pray that the word that has gone forth today will, will have seeds that will be planted, that, Lord, as we pursue you, as we press into you, as we repent and return to the Lord, that no matter what comes up in our heart, we would understand who you are, not who we are. And, Lord, that all the negative things that may happen as we, as, we, as we pursue you, Lord, may we cling to you. And may we fast that we, that we may find freedom from oppression, from wickedness, from the things that hold us back, from, from truly pursuing you and getting free. Lord, may we weep again. May our hard hearts become so soft that we weep again in your presence over our sin, not only our sin, but the sin of the nation. And Lord, may we, may we mourn when those things that ha had life in us now die, may we mourn, mourn over the things that are now dead, that we may find freedom. Lord, we look to you, Lord, our desire, it's even as we sung today, Lord God, you're still our first love. You're still the only one. And Lord, we desire to return to you and we understand that there's a cost to returning to you. But may we pay the cost of what it is to return to you, that, Lord, we may be useful in the master's hand, I ask in Jesus' name.